we bring in people in this church because they are, are different from myself. Every time we bring a guest, I want a unique voice, a unique gifting and perspective. And so Pastor Ryan's going to bring something that we don't have in this house. He's going to bring something unique that's going to build you and edify you. Let's pray for him. Father, we just receive this guy right now. Father, we receive the gift of God that you've placed inside of him. Father, we ask by the Spirit of God our hearts and minds to be open, to receive from you, to be edified, to be conformed to the, to the image of Christ. And everyone said, amen. amen. Good luck, brother. Good morning. <clears throat> Is it early for you? <laughs> no, it sure is. Well, if you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. And I'm going to attempt to preach on this smaller podium here. I don't want to mess with it too much. You guys praying for me that I don't trip on these legs, right? No? You're not doing that? Well, you need to start. Well, <clears throat> I want to say this to you starting out. Um, I hope you're ready to run because we only got like 30 minutes. So um, we got to run. So if you think this is a little too fast, just look up at the screen and we'll have some notes for you there. Take a picture. That's what all the young millennials do. I started seeing they were on their phones. They had no Bibles. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> They're actually taking pictures and reading the Bible on the phone. So... Hey, um, I want to say thank you to Pastor Devin, Nisa, Pastor Larry, Pastor Julie. Thank you guys for having me again. This is like home for me. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Ryan Aldaff. I'm a pastor of a small church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And um, I was actually born in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and lived in both, or well, in all three places, Alma, Van Buren, and Fort Smith. Uh, this was my jam for a long time, and it was the greatest place. I was actually visiting some people yesterday who I used to go to after church every Sunday, and I remember the house being so much bigger than it was yesterday. And I almost hit my head on the doorway as I walked in. And she was like, you didn't used to hit your head on the doorway, did you? And I was like, no, ma'am, I did not. But I have to say that I'm excited for today because I believe I have a word for you. And if you want to receive it, you can. It's up to you whether you want to receive what God is giving. You need to understand that there's a principle that you find throughout his word. God is a generous God. And he intends what he gives to be received by whom he is giving it to. And he has a purpose for when he gives it, that it accomplishes what he intended to accomplish. Don't be one who's found fighting what God wants to give to you. It doesn't matter what it is. Receive it. Embrace it. And I promise you, it will change your life. Amen. All right. Now, I just got to say this. If for those of you who don't know me, I'm a little bit different than Pastor Devin. Hallelujah. We go good together, peanut butter and jelly. We do. I'm a little bit faster, a little bit in your face. Some of y'all think I'm going to be mad at you. I'm going to smile the whole time until the Lord says not to. I'm right with you, okay? I really care for spiritual formation. I absolutely do. And I believe that the Word of God is the beginning point for that. Now, let's start today. I want to talk to you about the importance of the local church. Can I do that? So are you in Matthew 16? We're going to read at verse 18, but to kind of give you some context of what we're talking about, Jesus comes into a certain area, a certain region called Caesarea Philippi, and his disciples are with him. And he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? Jesus is curious to find out what everybody's saying in the circles that are following him or those who are not following him. And they said, well, some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And they just throw out different things and they start saying all these different things. And then Jesus looks to them and says, but who do you say I am? 
And Peter, he responds and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And you know that this is a revelatory moment. This is a moment where Jesus looks at him and says, look, you didn't get that on your own. The father revealed that to you. Now I want to start in verse 18 because I think it's important for us to start there. It says that Jesus continued saying, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now I want everybody to say this with me. Say, Jesus will build his church. Say it again. Say, Jesus will build his church and nothing will be victorious. Now you need to understand this. Nothing will be victorious against the church of Jesus Christ. I want to be a people. I want to be a person who's a part of a people who believe that Jesus is the one that initiated this thing. He is the one who is forming this thing and he is the one who will sustain this thing all the way to the end. Amen. I don't want to see another local church close its doors because of the lack of integrity. I don't want to see a local church close its doors because they don't have enough passion and fervor for Christ. That they're not allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and do what he wills to do because he's going to teach you the things of Jesus Christ. He's going to lift up the Son of God so that all men can be drawn to the Father. I don't know about you, but I want that. I am tired of seeing a powerless church. And today I hope that we can get something inside of us that will push us on to the next level, that we can go from one faith to another faith, from one area of glory to another area of glory. Amen? Now, the first thing that I want to talk to you about, and this is important for you, I love you. Oh, I love you. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say some hard things today, but I love you. The very first thing that you need to know about the church is the church is all about Jesus. Come on, now, I, I, that should have been everybody. I said the church is all about Jesus. Listen, the church is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the lost. It's about Jesus. And Jesus is all about the will of the Father, and the Father is all about people. So guess what? We're going to be loving on some people. Amen? But the first starting point is not on the love for people. The first starting point is that it is Christ's church. You guys, this is the first place and the only place that Jesus takes possession in his words when he talks about the church. And he says, this is my church. I will build it and nothing will prevail against it. Amen. So first and foremost, we got to know, hey, this is all about Jesus. I gave you some scriptures here to kind of remind you about who we are and how we exist only because of Jesus. Colossians 1, 15 through 18, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities, power, all things were created through him and for him. There is that, that, that you, oh, this right here changed my life. When I realized that everything was created through him and not just through him, but for him. That will debunk so much bad theology out there and so much bad teaching if you will just embrace that the starting point and the ending point is Jesus Christ. Amen. Ooh, y'all aren't awake yet. Boy, I'm ready. Here we go. And verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things consist, or other translations say, or held together. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Hebrews 12, 1, 2, get this in your heart. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Your faith needs to go from one level to another level, from one level to another level. If you have the same faith you have when you started out, you are not fixing your eyes on Christ. 
When you fix your eyes on Christ, it doesn't matter what kind of discipline he gives you through the Holy Spirit. You know that there is joy and there is hope and there is a reason for why the Lord is bringing such to your life because you're fixing your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. The second thing I want you to know about the church is that the church is the body of Christ. We are members of his body. Some of you are like, yeah, I've heard that before, but I want to, re I want to reiterate some things that maybe we forget about. Romans 12, four through five, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are the body of Christ and individually members of one another. Now, I think this is important because we are members of one body. And just like our human body, it, all these parts work together. So one of the things that you need to make sure that you understand when you're talking about we are the body of Christ is that you are an individual member in, a, in a, something that's bigger than you are. And there are things that can be accomplished within a group of members of one body versus one member on its own. Now, listen, here's the crazy thing about this. We're talking about the local church, talking about the church as a whole, the Catholic church is the universal church. I know you know what that is because you got a pastor who preaches that. Come on. Those who are visiting, I'm not talking about the Roman Catholic church. Leave it there. We'll just leave it there. But I want to say this to you. You are a part of the body of Christ, whether you go to the local church or not. The question is, are you receiving life? Are you giving life? Because there are things that you have that I don't have. God deliberately put each member having a different function, having something different that they give, bringing nourishment. So when you're not in the local body, you're not plugged in. I ain't talking about coming to church. Praise God. I'm talking about being plugged into the local church. When you're plugged in, you're receiving nourishment that you would not receive outside. And I am able to receive something that I wouldn't receive unless you were in that place. You are, let me prove that to you. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. Speaking the truth in love, this is what the church is supposed to be doing. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working. Now look at this. By which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, I'm not going to debate with you about this, like, can the church still grow without all of its members? But I want to say this, according to the word of God, according to the word of God, each one of us, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, become a member of his body. And every single one of us have something of value and worth that we bring to the local church, that we bring to the, collect, the, the Catholic church, the collective church as a whole. Don't you and I want to be found as one who's participating in what God says is best? Versus resisting that because we don't like it or that pastor's too loud and yelling at me already. It's too early in the morning. It's 10 o'clock and I haven't had my coffee unless you had it at home, right? Yeah, maybe here. Hey, I looked on that. I did that with y'all too. I did. I drank me some water. The third thing that I want you to know is that the church is the bride of Christ. In a generation who is dying and desperate for love. The Bible talks about here in Ephesians 5.22, he's talking about husband and wives and he talks about the, the correlation between that and Christ and his church. And he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, 
as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. There is an aspect of God's love that is only experienced within the church with you plugged into the local body. It's like trying to have a hand that's been dislocated, disconnected from the body, trying to receive kind of an affection. It's impossible. It can't happen. There is an aspect of God's love that you and I can experience if we are connected to the body as the bride of Christ. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on there, but before you get all in your weird theology about you being the personal lover of Jesus Christ, it talks about us being, us being the bride of Christ. The Bible talks about you being a son, being a child of God. But when it talks about us collectively, there's a sweet affection that he has for an assembled believers that he calls it like a wife. That, that, that is, you are the bride of Christ. Amen. Get that. I love that for you. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the purpose of the church. If you were to look this word up in the Greek, the church, most of you've heard it before. It's ecclesia. And typically it's defined as an assembly, a religious congregation, even a governmental body, okay, a governing body of a certain belief system, okay, which are all true. But I want to talk to you because the, the original, it, it actually comes from uh, uh, two different words. And it means a calling out. A popular meeting, especially a religious congregation, and Vine says it like this. The word stresses a group of people called out for a special purpose. Now, it doesn't say that the word stresses a group of special people. It says a people that are called out for a special purpose. That's because our purpose as a person does not come from what we do. It comes from who we are in Christ Jesus. Your identity is not in what you do. Some of you may sit in this congregation for the next 10 years and you will still be valuable to the Lord. You will still have value and worth. And yet you're not doing anything for this special purpose that which we have been called. When we are the church, we are a special group. We are a people that are called for a special purpose. And we all have to make the decision to say, I choose to believe that. I choose to believe that Pastor Devin is not the only one who receives a word from God. He will not be the one to tell you that from up here. And if he does, I will come back and preach against it. Because I know he believes that every single one of you can encounter God. Every single one of you can grow spiritually. You can know the word of God. That You can learn how to pray. That you can start partaking of some of these things that seem a bit traditional for some of y'all. You can partake of some of those things and see God. You know why? Because you're looking beyond the natural. You're looking beyond what the mind says and you're saying, I just want everything that God has for me because I want to be a part of something that's greater than I am. Don't we all want to be a part of that? Don't we all want more? I don't know about you, but I don't walk around going, boy, I want to be rejected in the scum of the earth today. Boy, I can't wait to walk into Starbucks and that lady just looks at me like I'm the creep of the world and I'm smiling and ready. Hi, how are you? She says, what do you want? And I'm not sitting there going, man, I'm so glad that I just got rejected. It was wonderful. Nobody does that. Kids in school, you ever talk to your little kid? Do they ever say, dad, can't wait to get bullied today. No, we want to be a part of something greater. Why do kids cry after they lose points or they lose games? Because they want more. They want to be a part of something more and better and greater. Now, 
I wanted to, I was praying about everything and the Lord began to really speak to me about something specific. And this last part of the message, I really want you to take a hold of because I felt like this was a word for you. Now, there are many things that we could talk about what the church should be and what's important for the local church. But there were, there were about four specific things that he said, I want Grace Church to understand these things about the church and your purpose. Number one, your purpose is to establish and expand the kingdom of God. Matthew 16, he says in there in verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. It's important for you to understand this. I don't think people understand this quite enough. I'm gonna turn real quick. This is not on your notes, but in Hebrews 12, 28, I was reading that this morning and the Lord just really just put this on my heart for us. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for God is a consuming fire. It is a privilege and an honor to have the keys to God's kingdom. Now, I'm not going to spend the whole time talking to you about what the kingdom is, but I can tell you this. The kingdom of God is the reign and rule of Jesus Christ at its foundation. This is, I'll put this here for you to see it. The kingdom of God is the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. Wherever there is the power of God, the righteousness, peace, joy, hope, and the love of God, where there is complete unity, wholeness, and the restoration of life, therein lies the kingdom of God. And you have the keys. And I love this because the Bible talks about that we have been given the Holy Spirit of God, right? And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. You have the keys. Why are you hindering somebody from being released? Why are you still bound? Because you are not accessing what is rightfully yours. The church should be the place where people get free. The church should be the place where people are healed and restored. Why are we the last place for people to go? Tell the truth. When we're sick, what do we say? Well, I don't want to go to church because I don't want to get anybody sick. Versus saying, I'm going to church, so I'm not sick. This place really echoes a lot. <laughs> Why is that? Come on, the first place we go to is Google. Hey, Google, how do I, how do I, versus coming to the church. Boy, I don't know about you, but we got to get desperate. Just like in the days of Jesus, when healings and miracles started to move forward, they would come running to Jesus. And it continued on in the book of Acts where just maybe the shadow of somebody would actually heal them. We don't have that desperation because the church is powerless and it's weak and it should not be because Christ is the one who builds his church and his church has the keys to the kingdom. And he's saying, I have given it to you. Why aren't you using it? Because we're afraid of it because we don't understand it. I'm not talking about being weird and goofy. Oh man, I've been in so many charismatic circles. I grew up charismatic. Ha, I like charismatic. But you know what I hate most about charismatic? They try to blame their weirdness on the Holy Spirit. Absolutely not. You're just weird, bro. Stop being weird. You just tried to find something you could tag along with and now I'm normal. No, the Holy Spirit wants to make you normal, buddy. Stop being weird. There are encounters with God. There are supernatural things that we can't explain, but I'm telling you right now, they will not go outside what the word of God declares. God brings balance through his word and his spirit is not going to veer off into some crazy Lulu land, though it may be something you can't explain in the natural. And that leads me to my second point that you need to understand this. The second thing that we need to be as a church is supernatural. Now, hold on. I could just see it. As soon as I said, some people were like, oh, he's one of those preachers. 
you see, y'all don't, y'all don't know me. Here's my thing. Supernatural is anything that cannot or should not happen in the natural. Okay? Some of y'all are like, yeah, you're going to talk about some crazy stuff, huh? No, this is what I want to talk to you about. I wrote this down for you to see. It's important for you to understand that we as a church must be a people that are tied into God and we should be a supernatural church. I was, I was thinking about this when I thought about the rally church plant. Um, for those of you who may not know some of my story, um, I, I, when I finished Bible college in 2012, um, I, my pastor at the time had asked me to start a small group. And we were, we had about two, three months left of school. And I was, you know, I had, I think I had seven job offers, by the way, seven job offers. And uh, six of them paid. Hallelujah. And I remember thinking, no, no, I'm just going to, you know, finish out the year and then go on. You know, that was my plan. I was going to go to Oral Roberts. I was able to transfer all of my credits. So I was going to be able to get a master's in divinity. I was excited about that. I had favor with both sides. And uh, he said, no, I, I think it'd be good for you to start a, a small group. And I was like, okay. So I started a small group and we started with five people and they were young adults. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, you know, this is cool. They're, they're excited and passionate and dumb, you know? So I was like, I could probably help them with something. And this thing just kept growing to the point where my pastor came to me and says, I need you to go pray and seek the Lord because I believe you're supposed to work with us as a pastor in some capacity, but I want you to go pray. I go pray and the Lord gives me this word, this phrase. He says, sonship revolution. And then all of a sudden I started seeing all these young adults and they were just crying and praising God and stuff. And I was like, what is this? And he said, I've called you to raise up a sonship revolution. The Bible talks primarily in the New Testament about two different sons. It talks about a technon and a weos. The technon is by mere fact of birth, they are your child. They are your son. The weos is what Jesus is always called, bears the characteristics and nature of its parent, of its father, so much so that you can't separate the two when you look at them. And I realized that there are promises that were made to technons just because you were born into the kingdom of God. Amen. But then there are those who bear the characteristics and nature of Jesus, of the father, who had an, a gift and something of a reward that goes beyond the natural. And I began to say, I want that. So we go and we start, you know, just being a part of the church. I told him, I feel like I'm supposed to be your young adult pastor. Turns out he had been praying about that. We start going, everything's rocking and rolling and we take off. And our small group goes to 30, then to 40, then to 60. And I went to my pastor and I said, I think we should call this a young adult ministry. And he was testing my character. And he said, nope, we're going to call it the All That for Small Group. And I was like, 40, 50 people in my house. Okay. Thankfully, we had a church office. Borrowed that. All of a sudden, we had everybody who was in the living room, in the kitchen, and all the way to the front door. And it was packed. So finally, after about three or four months of that, my pastor saw our faithfulness. He knew we weren't going to run off with this flock. And I said, I think we need to have a young adult ministry. I feel like it's time. And finally, he released us to it. We had our first service and we had 90 people. 90 in like eight months, people. That doesn't happen unless either you're in a cult or you're preaching the word of God. And we would believe that Jesus was building his church. All I did was preach Jesus. All I did preach that was that you have to just have faith in who he is and trust him. And he'll teach you how to walk that out. It may look different than him, may look different than her, but you can still have the promise that is for you. 
So this goes on. We have these ups and downs. God teaches us. We, you know, we go through the whole thing of ministry. We gain people. We lose people. People love you. People hate you. It's wonderful. That's why love ministry. And I remember that there came this time that I felt like I was supposed to go plant a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I was like, I was in Dallas, Texas at this time. So I was like, Chattanooga, where the choo-choo is? Like, what, what, what am I, why am I supposed to do that? And I remember having this sense of like, yeah, I need to do that. I need to go. So I went to my pastor and I told him and he said, yeah, we've been praying. And for the last seven months, we believed you were supposed to go plant this church. We just didn't know if it was going to be one of our campuses or if it was going to be your own church. So I was like, okay. So all of a sudden my whole team was, uh, they knew something was stirring. They started having dreams and they started telling me these dreams about how they were driving into a city and they were coming around. There's a big river on one side and mountains on the other side. And this is people who have never moved outside of Texas and you know, everything's flat there. And I was like, oh really? And they're like, yeah, it was like the exact picture of when you come into the city of Chattanooga. We had people that had dreams about things about, they were watching cartoons Looney Tunes. And they're like, Lord, I just know what, I don't, just don't know what the next plan is. I just don't know what you want to do with my life. And then all of a sudden, no joke, Roadrunner comes on the screen and it says train to Chattanooga. And he looks at that and goes, Whoa, that's weird. Passes by. We start having people start having dreams about how he's gone before us and all of these things. I tell my team and almost every single one of them didn't even have to pray about it because God had already told them. It was a supernatural thing that was taking place. I was thinking about this because when we, we moved, um, you know, I, I lived in my house for a couple years. And I, how, how many of y'all know that when you live in a house, you got to take care of it, update it, and do all kinds of stuff if you want the value to go up? Uh-huh. I didn't have the money. I was a pastor and I had my own business. And I did not have time to do that, right? Well, somehow the market just blew up in those two and a half, three years. And I sold my house for $58,000 more than I bought it for but I only sold my house because I was going to go plant a church. And that was the money that it took for all of us, all 15 of us to move 800 miles to Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's what helped pay for the 501c3. It's what got us all in apartments and homes. We helped fix people's ACs and everything. It was a supernatural thing. The church of God should be that. The church of God should, listen, I I was thinking about this. First Corinthians 4.20 says, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And I love how it says in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verse 4. This is great. Uh, I'll read the whole thing to you. In verse 1, it says, Brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, the one who's the head of the church. Just throw that out there. Okay, good. All right. I was, in, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in the demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We have a church that is not experiencing the power of God because they don't want it. You don't want a supernatural encounter of God because you don't know if you can control it. You don't know if you can understand it. Guess what? You don't have to. (laughs) It doesn't free you right now. You don't have to control it. All you, the Bible talks about you controlling yourself. (laughs) It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But God wants to do supernatural things in this church. Another point that I want to put on here is that, that the church should be loving, full of love. Those who want love, of course, agree with that. (laughs) Jesus is the fullest expression of the love of God. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him should have everlasting life. He didn't come into the world to condemn us. He came in the world to save us, to deliver us, and set us free. He is the fullest expression of the love of God. So if we are a part of his body, then the church should be the most loving, kind place on the earth. Now, the biblical understanding of love, this is really important for you to understand. The Bible does not say that love is God. It doesn't. It says that God is love. It's because love finds its origination in God, not God finding its origination in love. We have a generation that worships love. And sometimes we can get along with people because they're like, oh yeah, man, it's just all about love, bro. Yeah, LeBron James says that. And I guarantee you LeBron James isn't talking about the same kind of love that we're talking about. We talk about any community that's out there can talk about love. But we know the definition of love. We know what true love is because it originates in God. God is love, not love is God. And if you will make every investment into God, I promise you, you will start seeing his love ooze out from you. You will be filled like you never thought possible and others will be filled. Amen. Another point that I want to say, and you may not like this, diversity. See, y'all just think I'm talking about black and white, huh? Diversity. Well, one aspect of diversity is the color of our skin. Another aspect is the way in which we preach. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Diversity. I gave you some scriptures here. Ephesians 4. This is important for us to start with. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called with one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through you all and in you all. But then going on, there was this time that I read actually in 1 Corinthians recently that really made me think about us. There was this time where the, the church was stirred up and they were starting to pick out their favorite preachers, their favorite groups, which is so much what we do as churches. Well, we're not in those circles. Well, I'm not in those circles. And it's like, uh-huh. What circles are that? The circles where we demand our way versus Christ's way. And it says right here in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 11, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, but th those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, each of you says, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I am C of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? We need to understand something. It is a natural tendency to gravitate towards those things which we like and agree with. If I like the way Pastor Devin talks and I just, that's what I want, that's where I'm going. But anybody else who preaches like anything else is just not, no, I, I'm of Pastor Devin. I'm of Grace Church. These other churches down the roads with the big steeples and all kinds of stuff, uh, <laughs> they're one of those. Is Christ divided? He is, but he shouldn't be. Because though we are one local body, we are still a part of the larger the collective, right? The Catholic church, the universal church. And we cannot be those people. I was thinking about that in relation to the rally because we're definitely a diverse group because we started out with a vision for young adults. The Lord told us that I've gone before you. He goes before us. And I, you know, was like, okay. And so we get there and I've got a bunch of young people that are all under the age of 25, well, maybe 28. And I remember thinking, man, this is going to be a young church. <laughs> and I was like, I was the elder statesman all of a sudden. I was concerned because I was like, God is a generational God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And though that was the younger generation that was always passionate and pursuing things, and they were the active ones, they were ones carrying out people that were lying to the Holy Spirit and died in church, and they took them out, you know, like they, they was the young people. 
But I just was like, I wasn't, I wasn't content and I did not believe that was the purpose of the church. I remember in 2015 that I had received a, promise, a prophecy uh, from Pastor Ross Devers before I was actually uh, even a pastor. And one of the things that he said was, he said, I see him pastoring a church filled with young people. He said, it won't be the only ones. They'll be multi-generational, but there'll be a strong influence and a strong uh, collective group of, of young people. Well, I remember when I received that, that was before I was even thinking about pastoring. So I was like, oh, that's pretty intense, you know? At that time, I was preaching to young adults. And so I thought, well, okay, yes, Lord. We get to this church uh, to go plant this church in Chattanooga. We get there and we find like the oldest church in Chattanooga. And somehow we partnered with them and they allowed us to use their facility and we rented on Friday nights and then they loved us so much, appreciated us so much. They said, well, why don't you guys join us every other Sunday? And they were a Baptist church. They asked Pastor Ryan to speak. So you better believe with that church that was all over the age of 65, the oldest being 102, Mom Weaver, I put on a suit. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about a fancy European suit. I'm talking about, yes, ma'am, coming to church suit and the pews and all. And you know who out saying everybody? Mom Weaver, 102. You know who out amen and preached when I was preaching? Mom Weaver, because she saw that there was some young people that said, we're just one expression of the body of Christ. We need more and you're it. So we're going to lean in so that we connect that divide. We took over that church building. We now have that building. They gave that to us and they joined our church. And so now we have aged anywhere from zero, one, right? All the way up to 80. Mom Weaver still isn't coming every week because she can't drive on her own. So bless God, I didn't want to ask any of the 20 year olds to pick her up because I just didn't know how that would go. The last thing that I want to say to you is this. The church of Jesus Christ should be fully submitted to Christ for his purpose. There was a dream that we had two years before we went to go plant this church. And she had a dream as the girl that we consider like our prophet of our group. And she had a dream. And in that dream, she saw all of us with a few leaders that were originally a part of us, were no longer a part of us. And there was a group of us that were all together praying in this one space that was a church. It was just this weird thing. So she was praying. She saw all of us praying together. And we said, Lord, this is too big for us, but we choose to trust you anyways. And then all of a sudden, and you know how dreams are, they get a little crazy. And all of a sudden it flashed to this church that was on fire in a very, very dark place. Well, it was interesting because that obviously was, was meaning that, you know, it was the power of the Holy Spirit on that church to bring light to the dark world. But when we received the call two years later to go to Chattanooga, we were excited. We were like, yes, yes, Lord, we'll do this. We said yes before we knew what was actually happening in Chattanooga. I think it's important for you to see this. I want to make sure you give you some stats here. Chattanooga is the most churched and the most biblically minded city in America. Why are you going to plant a church there? <laughs> because God said so. This is Christ's church. He's going to build it. We're going to Chattanooga. But you know what it also is? It's on the top 100 most dangerous cities in America. Gang violence is running rapid, so much so that in 2017, they had to hire like 30 different police officers just to maintain the, the, the violent crimes that were arising in Chattanooga. How is the most churched city 
the most biblically minded city in America on the top 100 most dangerous places. I mean, for crying out loud, Fort Smith, Springdale, and Fayetteville are, the po- are on the top 100 post-Christian cities in America. We're number one on the coolest list. And yet, we are still not seeing the liberation of the captives. And you know what we made the decision to believe? What if it just took one more church partnering with the other churches? What if it just took one more church on another curbside? One more church raising the name of Jesus. One more church partnering with the vision of Jesus Christ for the city of Chattanooga. Because, you know, according to his word where we started, it is his church and he will build it. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. No demonic force has power over Christ Jesus. Why are we not the church partnering with him and saying, yes, that is the truth. Amen. That is the truth. We will see your will fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. We've got the keys to the kingdom. But many of us don't want to stay submitted to Christ. We want to stay submitted. You know, I surrender all. It's more like I surrender this, this, and this. But this right here is mine. Thanks for giving it to me. No. We're exchanging this fragile life for something significant. Supernatural change. I wanted to end with this because I, I wanted to make sure you heard my heart on this. Proverbs 11, 11 was a scripture that the Lord gave us for the city of Chattanooga. And I want to tell you that all of you have this as well. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. You have an opportunity to be a part of the will of God, the, 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 the plan of Christ in the city of Alma and the surrounding areas. Don't be one found fighting against God. Partner with God to see his will fulfilled. Because remember, it is Christ's church that is being built by Christ. And it is Christ who will sustain it. Let us be a people of faith in that. Amen? Let me pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you and thank you for this day, Lord. We ask that you would help us to model the fullest expression of Jesus Christ. We fully submit ourselves to you, allowing you to do what you will through our life, through the Holy Spirit. And we believe that you are who you say you are and you'll do what you say you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good job, good job. Go sit down and get out of here, I want to see If you stayed up here too long, you'd notice the difference. Would you guys stand with me this morning? So my favorite part um, this morning was just being reminded of the stories uh, he was sharing about the things he'd he'd called me and we'd talked over these things as they were kind of happening through the years. And you know, just kind of hearing the stories of the way that God was moving this entire time. It wasn't just when they heard to move. It was just the entire movement of God from Dallas all the way through. And God had this plan for Chattanooga. Um, it's a special thing. And when you begin to hear stories like that, you can just sense when God is, is in on something. He's, he's up to something. And see, when God is up to something, it's always worthwhile for us to get in on it. Amen. And so this morning, uh, we all have a chance to get in on it. Now, you're not moving to Chattanooga. You're staying right here in Alma, all right? But what we can do 
as we can sow in to what God is doing. We can get in on what God is doing in Chattanooga as we sow financially and in prayer into this church. So this morning, if you guys are going to see the blue velvet, you guys know what this is for, right? At Grace Church, if it's your first Sunday here, we don't pass anything for us. We have the, uh, the joy boxes in the back. That's just kind of how we do it. We don't want any pressure. But when we have a gift, gift, we bring out the special, the crushed blue velvet bags. And so the goal today is as we pray over this, we're going to reach, we're going to raise over $3,500 to sow into what God is doing in Chattanooga. One person clapped, amen. Uh, I think I posted on Facebook, uh, there's a study that said that over 59% of millennials, this, the major age group that this, this church plant, the rally, is going after, is reaching. 59% of this generation who had roots in the church, who started in the church as children, have left the church. And because of this generation leaving the church, the church as a whole in the U.S. is shrinking every single day. And we need churches who are geared and focused and gifted and called by God, moved to a city to reach them. So this morning, as we do this, we're going to sow into this church financially. Remember, the, the first challenge was all the money you saved this week, not going to Starbucks, uh, having your drinks and, you know, your coffees, your sodas. We're going to pour that in this morning. But secondly... I want you guys to give a gift that's sacrificial, stretching, meaning money that you would love to put somewhere else. We're going to trust God. We're going to seek first the kingdom of heaven, and we're going to sow it outside of our lives. We're going to sow it outside of this church, trusting that as we seek first the kingdom of God, God will meet our needs. Amen. Let's pray that. Father, we just pray over the gifts this morning. We ask, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for a spirit of generosity this morning. We thank you, Lord, that this money we sow into this church is going to be fruitful. It's going to be used. We thank you for the plans of God in Chattanooga, the plans of God in the rally. Father, we just say your kingdom come to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.